det er så mye som sies om Midtøsten at jeg bestemte meg for å reise ned hit for å oppleve det selv. Og Israel er et sammensatt, mangfoldig og bemerkelsesverdig land. En smeltedigel mellom øst og vest. Her er det kristne, jøder og arabere som lever sammen i et demokrati som er over 60 år gammelt. Dette skal bli veldig spennende. Du finner verdenskjente professorer, forfatter og skuespillere i en radius på bare noen få mil. Vi skal snakke med en kjent Midtøsten-ekspert som er født i Marokko og har skrevet en rekke bøker om ekstremisme og det vi kaller selvmordsbombing. Noen vil ha det til at islam bare er ekstremisme, men det stemmer lite med virkeligheten. Vestlige medier viser ofte ikke nyansene og de betydelige protestene innad i islam mot radikaliseringen. Og jeg vil forsøke å få professoren til å forklare hvorfor terrorhandlinger nå rammer Europa og ikke lenger kun Israel og Midtøsten. Hva skal vi gjøre med de store etniske spenningene som tilspisser seg i Europa? For 15 years you have spoken about the challenges that will come with Muslim immigration to Europe. Mm -hmm. Is there a certain naivety in the Western way of thinking in which we tend to believe that everybody wants to become like us? It's more than a naivete, it is wishful thinking. So we have here two different mentalities, two different consciousnesses that are growing in the same society. We have two cultures, so it's not multiculturalism, it's anti-culturalism. The, the people who don't understand the basic values of Europe that have developed in Christianity within the last 2000 years. So they come in the last 50 years and they want to reverse everything. And if you don't, uh, dare to reverse it, or if you resist the reversal, you are a racist because you don't accept ours. So uh, it's a certain way of thinking that Europeans simply do not understand. And I have to add to this one very crucial point. You know that there are more Muslims going to the mosques in London, Amsterdam, and Lille in France every Friday than Christians do to churches on, on Sundays. Already, that situation. And you know, because 
To be religious has become a sin. It's not fashionable anymore. Young people don't care about church or going. They, they lost the cause of life. They lost the purpose of life. And that's the reason also why the Europeans don't rear children. They make one, one child per family. Even, even Spain and uh, Italy, which are Catholic, which used to have the highest rate birth rate in Europe now have 1.5 or 1.6, which means that they, they cannot even maintain the same level of population and they are shrinking. You shrink, you don't have many, uh, many children when you don't think that life is worth living or, or is worth fighting for. They say in, in, jest, in jest, of course, that if European family wants to have a child, it's uh, only in order for the dog or the cat to have somebody to play with. And that's very sad. The hope in multicultural Europe has been that as Muslim minorities stay in the country for the second and the third generation, the European culture will permeate into their being and one would not have the situation that one sees today that precisely second and third generation rejoin the jihadi groups and uh, also cause a lot of trouble at home. Why, is, why hasn't the change come about? Well, uh, uh, the main reason is that, as I said before, these young people who were born and grew up in Europe are educated not by the school system, which is European, and it could inject into them European thought, but they were permitted in the name of multiculturalism to go to uh, schools in, in Urdu or in Arabic or whatever, paid by the government. So these people, and besides, they get some education in Sunday schools and so on at home, which is a religious Muslim and so on. So these people are really imbued with the, 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 the original culture of their country and they, they keep uh, respecting it. I can give you an example. Uh, during my field work, I was in Sweden uh, for, to, to write this book. And uh, they have every Sunday a market, uh, open market. So I went to the market. They were Arabs from North Africa. I talked to them Arabic. They were delighted. We talked and so on. And they said, how, do you, how are you happy here? They said, fantastic. Sweden gives us all the facilities, uh, uh, homes and social welfare and food and jobs. And Blano said, uh, great. So you should be very happy that you are here. He said, no, no, there is only one problem that bothers me. He said, now I am a Swede and I cannot take the Swedish flag, which has a cross on it, as my national flag. So I said, so what, what do you want? You come here as a refugee. They take you in. They give you all those goodies, and you want to oblige them to change their national symbols? That's what you expect? He said, yes, I can't accept it. I am a Swede like all the others. Jeg tenker på det han sier og på effekten av masseinnvandring. I ekstremliberale Europa føder vi nesten ikke barn lenger. Abort er sterkt anbefalt, og færre lever i forpliktende parforhold. Både kristne, jøder og muslimer latteliggjøres. 
I andre kulturer elsker man barn. Det er en sterk familiekultur og en kompromissløs åndelig religion med vekt på indre verdier og viljen til å underkaste sig Gud. Det er antagelig kun et tidsspørsmål før landene i nord endres og andre folkeslag overtar i et utdøende Europa. Koranen, muslimernes hellige bok. Det er i dag 1,2 milliarder muslimer i verden. Og dette er boken der de leser og finner gode råd for hvordan leve sammen for å få et godt liv. are one of the leading experts in the Middle East on suicide bombings and Islamic Kaze. And we're here with one of your books. You've been writing uh, over 40 books for many years on this issue. To us Europeans, it's so, such a different statement when we hear Hamas say, we wish for death as you wish for life. How can this be explained? Well, uh, even the Hamas, when they say that, they don't really mean that, because everybody instinctively wishes to live, not to die. But, but it needs an explanation, because they are usually uh, underdogs. In, in their confrontation with the West or with Israel, they lose all their wars and so on. So they say that this, what you call by error, uh, suicide bombing, I'll explain why it is by error, uh, is our, our nuclear arms. That, because this is something that the West can do nothing against it because they never know who will come from where and blow up in their minds. And therefore, as a nation develops nuclear weapons, they develop their, their uh, culture of death. So this is to take into consideration. Now in Islam, as in other cultures, to commit suicide is forbidden by, by Islamic law because the soul belongs to Allah. And therefore, you cannot unilaterally decide to take it from the possession of Allah. Only He can decide what... what is. And therefore, what they developed uh, is their new literature of what I call the Islamic Aze. Why Islamic Aze? Islamic Aze is obviously the mixture of Islam and kamikaze. Because the kamikaze in World War II, when Japanese with their airplanes were crashing on American aircraft carriers in the Pacific, they did not commit suicide. Because if you want to commit suicide, you do it at, in the comfort of your home. You don't need to go somewhere in the middle of people who can disturb you. So this is obviously not, uh, not suicide especially that it is forbidden, as I said, in Islam. The kamikaze did it for their country, for the emperor, and therefore they went not to kill themselves, they went to crush the American uh, aircraft carriers which endangered the security of Japan. In other words, it's some kind of ultimate weapon, then they can do it. And you will notice that in both Japanese and Islamic culture, not the will to kill oneself, uh, is the prevailing um, uh, motive, 
uh, as I say, but the damage they can do to others, even if in the process they have to sacrifice themselves. And therefore in Islam, you will understand, it's called self-sacrifice. It's not suicide bombing. And this is a big difference. And, and therefore this is what uh, everybody has to understand that when Hamas or any other extremist Islamic does this, what we call suicide, and it's again, I repeat, erroneous. It's an Islamic act of killing others while beings uh, ready to sacrifice oneself. Because you, when you sacrifice yourself in the middle of uh, killing the enemy, of causing damage to the enemy, then you become a shaheed, a martyr. And to become a shaheed is, is an honor because you go straight to sit near the, the throne of God in heaven. Martyr, direct. And therefore they say, in that regard, you see what it means, we hate uh, life and we, we want death. Because what do they have in life? Most of them are poor, backward, uh, with disease and hunger and, uh, and dictatorial governments they live under. So there is no great fun to live in this world. But if they are a shaheed, they take the shortcut to heaven directly. So why sit here and suffer? If you can, by doing an act, you push a button and you go straight to, to paradise with the 72 virgins and to live happily ever after. Be, so, so this life is miserable and therefore we hate it. That life in paradise, that's the real life and therefore we want it. So even though uh, it sounds like an attractive slogan, it has a meaning and we have to understand it. What, does, does, what is the meaning of this story? And in that regard, you can say it's expanding because the first to do that were the Shiites. Shiites in Lebanon, they did it against the Americans and so on. But others like Hamas, which is Sunnite, and other Sunnite groups learned from that. From that. They said this is very effective as a tool of struggle against the Israel, Zionism, the Americans, the West, and so on and so forth. If it is useful, so we can adopt it. And therefore, little by little, it spread to other uh, mo uh, Islamic movements, Sunnites, which have nothing to do with the Shiites, and it is used today from ISIS to, to Hamas and from uh, Jabhat al-Nusra in, uh, in Syria uh, to Boko Haram in, in, uh, in, in Africa. Islam for mig er noe helt annet enn ekstremisme. Men vestlige media mangler nyansene. Jeg vokste opp med tradisjonelle muslimer i Afrika og vet hvilken urett vi gjør når vi fremstiller islam uten å vise mangfoldigheten. Jeg har bare gode minner om troende muslimer som ga mye til de fattige, ba flere ganger om dagen, var vennlige, gavmille personer som tok seg av de gamle og familien med en sterk tro på Gud. Det er et eksempel for oss i ekstremliberale Europa, der så mange lever ensomt og isolert uten indre verdier. Og Gud 
er stor. Han er skaperen av alle ting. Alle folkeslag bør takke han for livets gave og be om fred i en verden som er alt for ofte preget av konflikt og det onde. Where do you think the jihadi culture is going in the Middle East, and how do you see the future regarding this? Well, the, the, uh, look, uh, the push to jihadism, to Islam, uh, was influenced by two major events. We have to remember that in the 60s and 70s. 60s, the big defeat they had in 1967 in the war with Israel, where the entire Islamic world combined against this little state and they were beaten like they were never in, in Islamic history. And they sit there and wonder, what happens? This tiny nation can beat all these big Muslim uh, uh, universe uh, and so on. And they convened even in Cairo, they had a conference on that in 1968 uh, later, and their scholars came to the conclusion Islam was glorious and expansive and all that, when we were very loyal to the rules of Islam in the beginning. But as time went, the, we the West, of course, there is somebody else always to, to, to blame, not themselves. The West occupied us, introduces wrong Isla uh, Western values. They call that West-toxication, West-intoxication together. They corrupted our youth. We lose, and, and this is the result, that even this uh, uh, miserable little nation like Israel, we cannot overcome. And that caused a tremendous uh, return to Islam in all the Islamic world. If, if we should, and you had groups of Muslims coming up and so on and so forth. This is one thing. And the other thing is the fall of the Soviet Union. And this fall of the Soviet Union, uh, beginning from 1989 and on, 1990s, uh, f from their point of view, was caused by two things. One, uh, ir ir communism, communism, which is anti-God, and, and therefore it was dismissed. And when this uh, big superpower went down, uh, and, and other communist nations, then communism all over the world, including in the Arab countries where there were communists, in Israel, the biggest Arab uh, uh, party was the Communist Party. Suddenly there became a va vacuum. This big power went, then what do you do instead? And that was exactly the vacuum that Islam found and came in. Oh, you see, don't trust this big power, don't trust nationalism, the, uh, ruled by dictators in all Islamic countries. We have Islam, which wants to bring back the caliphate, to unite all Muslims and so on. So it sounds promising. Thinking about Europeans and how we 60 to 70 years ago took to war and removed the groups we didn't like at the time, how do you see the chances of civil wars coming in Europe due to the problems of the different cultures migrating to Europe? Well, I'll tell you, Marine Le Pen in France is heading towards direction. And the, the, all these right-wing parties growing in the Netherlands, in Belgium, uh, in Germany, I think, will bring about uh, a course of collision 
because as the masses of these Muslim migrants become more numerous, and they are becoming numerous by the day, they pose a growing danger to these uh, natives, native Europeans, who started to see the danger. But so far, they were helpless. They couldn't do anything. Now, with the lead of those right-wing parties, which are winning elections and growing in every election, then they will perhaps finally say, if we don't expel them from here, we, will, we are stuck forever with them. And therefore, uh, that course of collision might very well create uh, things that I don't know if uh, civil war, but certainly violence. How do you see the future in Europe? Well, uh, I have some, one, something good and something bad to see. The, the something bad is, of course, it does not augur well for the demographic situation in Europe. And, uh, and more than that, I think that after World War II, Europe has lost its will to live and to fight for its ideas and so on. So they always borrow the easiest way to get out of a difficult situation. The, the European population has been doing demographically very badly. That's the bad side. The good side is, and that is one of the reasons why the EU was enlarged from 12 to, to 27, is precisely to add Christians from Eastern Europe and they are uh, Polish and Romanians and so on and so forth, in order, and they flood Western Europe. So there are these two trends uh, working together. Which one will win ultimately, who knows? What we're seeing today with uh, uh, the rise in ISIS, the rise in, in other jihadi terrorist organizations, Hezbollah, Hamas, Islamic Jihad, the, the Al-Nusra Front, and so on. Um, this radical Islamist jihadi ideology is in the 21st century what communism and fascism was in the 20th century. It is an ideology. It is not a religion. It is not the religion of Islam. The sooner the West wakes up and understands that radical Islamism aims to destroy liberal democracies, that this is their goal, this is their, this is their dream, um, the better off it will all be.